Welcome to another episode of Let's Watch a B-Movie. Today we're doing a movie recommended by Nick, who I think saw this movie in theaters. I did. It's a movie you may have heard of. If you haven't, you definitely need to check it out. It's called Night House. And we are not in the house, but it is nighttime, so that's something. Yeah, but before we get on to the movie, I need to let you know we got a sponsor. We have a sponsor? Yep. Are you ready to hear it? Uh, it's both of our favorite things combined into one. Oh. This sponsor, is, we are now currently sponsored by Nilbog Nuggets. Ooh, wow. Okay. So green chicken nuggets. Just Green chicken nuggets. Wow. It's a really good for vegans. It actually tastes kind of like cake, but also like grass. Hmm. Um, so, almost like it's the kid next door that you're eating on. So they're like impossible nuggets. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, but they're green. Hey, listen, as long, you know what else is green? It's money. Oh, so yeah. I'll gladly accept the sponsorship. I'll eat them green nuggets as long as we're getting that green cold hard cash. Oh, yeah. As long as I don't turn green, I'm happy. Folks at your local restaurants, if they don't have Nilbog Nuggets, just put in the recommendation. Tell them they need to get that. All your local grocery stores, you're all missing out. It's on the come up. It's on the rise. Buy Nilbog stock right now if you can because it's going to shoot up to the sky and make you millionaires faster than any kind of Bitcoin craze. And then most likely everything, it's going to shoot up the stock market. And then all of a sudden, you know, these Nilbog Nuggets are going to go from like a 50 cents a nugget to like $1,000 a nugget. Oh, there's no inflation like Nilbog inflation. Yeah. So it's going to be crazy, but on the bright side... You'll be healthier. You'll be healthier, and you won't get eaten by Nilbog people because you actually have to be a Nilbog for that. So you get the, the best of Nilbog without the worst of Nilbog, which is getting eaten by witches and like killed by troll people. Well, I wouldn't mind being eaten by the witch, but get, be, getting killed by the goblins, that doesn't sound good to me. Well, you're talking about the young witch, which is in young witch form, though. Yes. Imagine the old witch in old witch form. Well, so, sponsors aside, sounds like we're growing, and that's always a good thing, and that's a good opportunity to mention that, hey, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Watch a B-Movie. Our podcast is up there every week. You can leave feedback. And we've got some cool things coming down the pipeline with that. For They're going to be doing some on-screen videos pretty soon. Probably early next year 2022 so this week was nick's pick which was Nighthouse, which he saw in theaters and recommended to me to watch also so i'm not gonna lie i had to watch this movie a couple times because this is not necessarily a movie that you really you fully understand on the first time it's happened with a couple movies before i'll be honest troll 2 i didn't get the first time <laughs> i had to watch a second time really pay attention to get the nuances and all the complicated things that are happening in troll 2 so there's that and then there's Nighthouse, which really took me about three times to really get a handle on what I was seeing. So, Nick, on the on the first try, when you saw it in theaters, were you like me where you felt like, without giving your thoughts on the movie, just did you feel like, I need to watch this again? Yes. Because, obviously, it's, and this is really with any movie, but especially a psychological thriller like this one, you are going to miss things. Absolutely. Because you're going to sit there and be looking for the scary scenes. You're going to look around, and you're most likely going to miss something that you didn't see in that current frame rate. You're going to look. You're going to keep looking around. You may miss because you're not paying attention to what the actors are saying or the actors are saying. You're going to miss what they're saying that could actually be pivotal to the plot for the ending to make sense to you. So, yeah, you watch it a second time, everything starts coming together. You may catch more stuff. I guarantee you, I watch it a third time. I'm probably going to catch absolutely everything else that I missed. Well, yeah, for me, the third time is where I picked up everything. And, yeah, with any kind of mystery, a good mystery leaves clues throughout so that on the second or third viewing, you actually can go back and be like, oh, now that makes sense now. Now that clue makes sense. You pick up on it. So this is a well-done mystery. And there's bad mysteries where even on the second or third time, nothing makes sense. Uh, we won't talk about those per se, but um, so this is re refreshing to have a slow burn that has a little bit of rewatchability to it. Should we go over the cast real quick? So the cast. Uh, now this is a. Now listen, folks, brace yourself. This is quite the large cast list. We're gonna have yep. to take a minute. If you thought Buffy had a large cast, wait till Nick goes through the list of the main characters in this one. Brace yourself. Okay. Grab some coffee, some chicken nuggets. It's gonna be quite a while before we get past the cast list. Go ahead. Nick. Okay. So the cast involves. Rebecca Hall as Beth. I don't need to mention anyone Well, that's else. it. That's it. Rebecca <laughs> Hall, man. I'll tell you what. I mean, hey, listen. She does the job of five actresses, in my opinion. Well, she kind of has to. She's the only one in this movie for the most part. Like, if you're saying this movie has a good cast, we're talking about one person. <laughs> so that says a lot. Like, yeah, it was, it was well, well casted. Great performances. No. 
one perform one performance only, one great performance. But I mean, I, if I think of the biggest carry jobs of a movie where one person had to carry the film on their back, maybe Scarface with with Al Pacino or anything with Al Pacino. Think, what are you talking? About? Oh, and let me say this too: like I'm a fan of Rebecca Hall. I've seen her in a couple things before this. Uh, for me, most notably, The Town with Ben Affleck was a good crime heist movie, mm-hmm. and she was great in that. So she's definitely. One of the more underrated actresses, I would say, and this movie's proof of that. I would have to say she's underrated because, to be honest with you, until this movie, I didn't know who she was. Yeah, the name Rebecca Hall, it's like, I didn't, when I saw the name in the cast, the picture of the face didn't come to me. But when I saw her, I was like, oh, I know her. And I was like, okay, that's Rebecca Hall. But I don't think her name is well known. But the face, maybe you can recognize from something. Um, she, I think she does more like low, kind of more independent dramas and stuff. Yeah. Probably. Um, so, that, that's probably why I don't really know her. Obviously, I watch either action or horror. Mm. So, so let's get into it. <laughs> let's get into it because I'll be honest. I didn't even. I didn't before watching it. I didn't even read the plot summary or anything. So I didn't know what this movie was about. I went. I tried to go in as blind as possible. I didn't watch the trailer beforehand. Anything. So I the, just knew that you had talked about it a little bit, but I didn't know anything about it going in. So I will say this to anyone who's not seen this movie and is thinking about checking out, do not do yourself the dis- disjustice of checking out the trailer because then you're going to think it's just a- another ghost movie. Yeah, you're better off going in blind, even though I, I went in blind, so as this movie starts, it's going to take me a while to really know what the hell is going on. A long while, especially in the first viewing. Yeah, but if you watch the trailer, it just looks like a normal ghost-haunting movie. And then when you watch the movie, it's like, oh, shit. But still, you go into the movie, go in watching this movie with one mindset, get something completely different. You're automatically going to dislike the movie because you're expecting more scares, more action. This movie does not want to give that to you. It wants to give you a mystery, thriller, and something for you as the audience member to figure out. Because this movie purposely does not give you any answers at all. It's a, it's a <laughs> separate discussion, but it just brings up the point of. Don't watch any trailers at all because trailers now ruin everything for every movie. Yeah, they give away way too much. The Halloween Kills trailer gave away pretty much everything great in the movie. Well, it wasn't too many things that were great in the movie. But, <laughs> I was about to say. But it gave away a lot of that beforehand. Every trailer is like two, three minutes long now sometimes. A trailer should be 45 seconds. Like, just don't give me a three-minute trailer that shows the entire plot. So, I don't even really need a trailer. Just give us... An announcement, in a sense. Just give us the damn... Just show us a 15-second thing, name, day it comes out, done. Yeah, and just go, you're better off going in blind. So so I went blind, so these opening scenes, well, we can get into the opening scene if so you like. Opening so opening scene is we're looking at this... Ha- we're pretty much getting a whole run-through of our setting, this house. This house is where the, for the most part, minus two scenes, this is where the movie takes place in the entire time. It's a beautiful house. The beautiful house... It's a little disheveled, and then you see our main actress, Rebecca Hall, coming to the door wearing a black dress, talking to a random woman who we're never going to see throughout the rest of the movie. Yep. And you find out her husband has just died via suicide. Wow. Yep. I will also warn people, if you have an issue with grief, probably best not to watch this movie. This movie will not help you overcome your own grief. Yes, this movie is very dark, and no matter what we say good or bad about it, I'm going to say right now, it's not the most fun movie. No, it's not a fun movie at all. Um, but yeah, so a husband commits suicide, and this is obviously Rebecca Hall, our main character, so we're going to follow her and this house pretty much for the so next this hour first minutes. night, I will say this, stuff somewhat happens. You get you hear a knock on the door, she goes to check it. Now, this, is, this I missed on the first viewing. So, she apparently sees something and runs and shoves open a door and sees nothing in the background. If you actually pay attention to that door you gotta before be careful she does with, that. Be careful with your words. <clears throat> see, see nothing in the background. Are you doing what the movie does? <laughs> where every mention of the word nothing has to be double analyzed? In a sense. Um, anyway. I refuse for you to use the word nothing in this podcast. All right? <laughs> well, too bad. Unless so, it's relevant to the plot. All right? It kind of is. Because it's technically the first time you see our antagonist. Okay. She turns her. So if you pay attention to the door, you see a, a figure, a shape, and the reason I yeah. I must have Michael missed Myers. 
Very possible. He was known as the Shape before he actually got a name. That's what I said. In a sense, I mean, he's always had he's a name. St- but... He's still called the Shape by hardcore fans. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, you see, you look at this door and you see what looks like a silhouette of a figure, and it just turns and looks at her. She shoves the door open, and with lack of better words, there is nothing behind that door. Oh my god! <laughs> I can tell where this podcast is going. <laughs> All right, folks, we're well. Spoilers ahead, but you'll, as you will, I'm sure you've already seen the movie, so it's tricky to say should we spoil it or not, but the word nothing, obviously, we're talking about that because it actually means something. It's not, it's not exactly nothing. Yeah, and if you haven't seen the movie and you still want to just listen to the podcast because you don't feel like watching an hour and a half long movie, uh, we're going to refuse to let y'all know what the antagonist's name is until the end. Um, anyway... Yeah, and listen, that's it's got to be done. Now, I would say this, though. I'm surprised that she decided to stay in the house so soon after her husband died. I don't know. I know he didn't die in the house, per right. se, but that's going to be a trigger for all her well, stuff, basically. Yeah, like, I think would she... go stay with her friend maybe from the outset. So I don't know. Yeah, stay with her friend, only go back to the house to pack stuff up because she is in the process of moving. She wants to get out of that house. Yeah, I would think that if you're in the house where you and your husband lived, of you know, okay. If we take the route that maybe there's something mentally is going on with her, right? That she is mentally seeing things. And let's go with that theory for a second. It, the, the setup is perfect. Like she's in the house immediately after her husband died. That's probably when you're gonna start seeing shit, or you're gonna lose your mind. So, if it is mental, this could have been avoided by a stay at the Motel Six down the road, my friend. And and you know what? They would leave the lights on for her, and there might be free HBO. So in the next morning, she. Sees footprints on the dock. So she travels down the dock. Here's a gunshot. Gunshot. <clears throat> that gunshot is probably the only jump scare for me. What? In the whole movie. That was not a jump scare. It was a random noise that happened out of nowhere. And to be honest, if people jumped at that, it's because it was a loud noise. And it still doesn't classify as a false scare because it because it's something that we should honestly kind of fear for her. Due to knowing exactly what happened to her husband. I think that's a connection that makes it critical is that her husband shot himself. Yes. So hearing a gunshot is triggering and the thing the is, of that. But, it, but, the thing but is, that um, area looks like it could be an area where someone might be in the woods hunting. hunting. Yeah, which so. is her first guess because when the gunshot happens, a bunch of birds fly out of the trees. Yeah. So there has to be a physical gunshot at that point. Now, I don't want to skip ahead too much, but... We got to meet Claire. She she's still an integral part of the, the the cast, even though she's only in like three scenes. Claire is the her friend. Yes, I thought at first that was her sister, but nope. it's her friend. It's her friend. Okay. Uh, Claire and Beth are friends. They're both teachers at a high at a actually they didn't mention if it's a high school or a middle school. Either way, they're teachers at a That's school, true. and we meet a un, uh, 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 she was she was named her name was Becky, but I'm gonna call her Karen because. She, was, she comes in there going to do the, the Karen thing. She's like, she goes in to talk to her about why her son got a C in the class instead of, and the teacher's like, you know what? You're right. I'll just go ahead and give him a B. Well, that's not what I wanted. Well, Beth just goes into why she was not in the school the day her precious hunter. You know, this scene, I felt secondhand embarrassment for the, the mother here <laughs> because... Um, you know, she was called out, basically. She came to get a, get the grade changed. But, but she kept saying she didn't want that, and the teacher's like, well, and Beth's like, well, what, what the hell do you want? I have personal issues. Well, so did we. And that's when Beth just unloaded on her. Listen, <laughs> I had to say, but I could have used a teacher in high school who was grieving, who would have changed my grades, because at one point she offers an A. <laughs> and the mom's like, the B is fine. <laughs> right. No, it's, it's it's Christmas. Take the A. What are you doing? It's not Christmas. It's summer. For her, it's, it's early Christmas present. <laughs> you offered your son an A. To get a C to an A, she would have went home happy. She'd be like, oh my goodness, that worked much better than I expected. I got a A. But she's like, uh, the B is fine. I'm like, hey, you could add the A. <laughs> B it is. Click. <laughs> now, what, no, what I want to ask, though, is because to go back to the gunshot, we do meet her neighbor. Yes, Mel. So she asked Mel, did you hear the gunshot? And Mel's like, no. Now that's the first hint. If if you're on the side of this is in your head, this is in her head, that side of the theory, then 
how, what, nobody else heard the gunshot, only she heard it. So was, was the gunshot real or was that something she imagined? Well, the, the only other thing I got is, you know, look where they live. So to be honest with you, for the most part, Mel probably didn't even pay attention to actually hearing it because he hears so many gunshots. Yeah. He's probably just tuned out of it. Yeah, Her, because good. of what happened, she's going to hear every single gunshot, whether real or, as you mentioned, possibly fictional. But still, she's going to hear every single gunshot because of what her grieving is going to do to her. Yeah. The, the only thing with that is, like I said, they don't, from Mel's standpoint, I guess they are pretty casual about it. But we don't know if there's gunshots there all the time or how often they hear a gunshot. So it's hard to say, like how unique it was for her to hear a gunshot. If it's if you hear gunshots all the time, then obviously this one's not going to be a big deal. But if it's like a gunshot for the first time like a year, then you're like, hey, we don't normally hear gunshots, and she could overreact. But Yeah, but notice how he wasn't 100% dismissive of it because... Yes. I mean, granted, again, it could be because of what just happened, or it's because they live out in the middle of a lake, yeah. and people go hunting at lakes, so he's probably heard enough gunshots to just tune it out. And he could have been, you're asking one person, so he could have been asleep, Mm -hmm. he could have been in the shower, he could have been not paying attention. So if they were in the suburbs and she asked five of her neighbors to hear a gunshot and they all said no, then it'd be like, oh my God, there was no gunshot. Right. But at this point, you can't establish if there was a gunshot or not. (laughs) But if you want to side on the theory side of that, this is in her head, I'm looking for in certain things like what evidence is there that stuff actually happened in the world around her basically. So now we get our second night, which again, really nothing 100% happens, but the radio just magically turns on. And let me say, whatever is haunting her has great taste in music. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, it's suspenseful. I'm like, mm, make a note to download that song. Well, I do know that the that at the for the most part, this movie is trying to make you think that it is possibly her husband haunting her. 100%. Because when I, that was one thing I watched on the, uh, I, I figured out on the trailer. As I'm watching it, they mentioned the suicide. They read the letter on the trailer. And I'm just sitting there thinking, so did the husband kill himself to then haunt her? Because I honestly thought the husband was the major villain of this movie. Well, the most common story here, the most, let's say, tropish easy thing to do would be you would think just the husband is is haunting her yeah and and that's what the trailer is trying to tell you granted the trailer also doesn't want to obviously give away the true villain because then there's no twist twist to the movie that's true so they but they definitely play with the idea early on that it is her husband yeah makes me it just makes me wonder if the director or the writer of this movie uh automatically knew what he was doing for it or was he making a traditional haunting movie and then said no this has been done multiple times let's change it to this yes because her husband haunting her doesn't seem doesn't seem like a big threat because why would the husband want to harm her right we don't Um, know anything about the husband from the flat from the home video she watches the husband seems normal and innocent enough nothing in the the home video she watches makes the husband look suspect although as the movie goes on his actions start to become more and more suspect so now we get the bar scene where we get to find out what's in the contents of the of his suicide note. You were right. A whole lot of nothing. Yeah. You were right. Nothing is after you. You are safe. Ooh, so I got to say, when I watched this scene the first time, I was just like, okay, that makes Ann. no sense at all. <laughs> I was like, this is the worst suicide note ever. Right. Who, who would write that as their last thing? I'm like... Take a moment to explain yourself, motherfucker. Before you kill yourself, write a better note. Damn. So my only issue... Now, granted, this scene, I think, was supposed to try and make it a little lighthearted with the uh, one of the teachers. Like, oh, she keeps it in her purse. And, of course, you got the other guy teachers just uncomfortable because he's like... Yeah. Ugh. I feel like they did. They're trying to have a fun night out at the bar. And that she's bringing all this tension right. and grief. And they're just like, check, please. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and I'm going to assume Beth is a very talkative drunk. She flat out admits, like, hey, my house is being haunted. I believe in ghosts. She says she doesn't believe in ghosts, but she's pretty sure something's in her house. Yeah, I mean, that's usually in most movies, the character would, like, hide her situation from her friends. 
But she's like, yeah, pretty matter of fact about it. Like, I think something's going on in my house. So. <laughs> Which might indicate, go to the Motel 6. <laughs> right. Stop being so loyal to this damn house. Right. But yeah, the first time you watch this, it seems like a random letter that is may or may not play a big part in the movie. So most people are going to forget it on the first watch. Well, at first, she at the end of that scene, she actually says, no, I'm lying. There's no note. And then in the next scene, when she's talking to her friend, then she says, no, there was a note. So she tries to kind of like cover it up after they sees the reaction. But then she admits there was a note. Um, no, she says, I'm lying. And she goes, oh, and she goes, no, not about the note. About the fact that I know what he's talking about. Oh, wait. No, no, you're right. You're correct. That's true. So, so she, because yeah. she read the note in front of everybody. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, she says she knows what the note is about. Yeah, because uh, come to find out, Beth has di- had actually died for a few minutes before, and she said that, you know, on people kept asking her and asking her what's on the other side, and she just said nothing. There was nothing on the other side. I lie to make people feel better about it, but at the end of the day. It was all tunnel and no light. Now, this is maybe too much because <laughs> the fact that she says nothing here, I, I know they want to sprinkle that throughout the movie, but this is a little bit too much this scene. The fact that she says that, now we have to be like, oh, nothing, huh? Yeah, <laughs> one thing I'm getting at is... It, so, it, it, it works in certain scenes where like, oh, double meaning. So first, no double meaning. First watch note can be seen more as an innocent suicide note, yeah. sort of as innocent as a suicide note can be on the second watch. My question was, why did he say she is safe? If this villain is after her, why? So, so it actually says nothing is after you. You are safe. Yes. Hmm. The, if on the second watch, you realize the note gives away the plot of the movie. <laughs> yeah, but you're right from the husband's perspective. And by the way, I, I don't think too much of the husband based on what he does, and he seems like a fucking idiot. <laughs> but this note especially, what possessed him to write the most confusing note ever? But even, even the weird context we're going to get, yes, nothing is after you. So Why say she's safe? At this point, it should be leave. <laughs> for the most, so without the, the double meaning, in the most basic sense, it makes sense. Oh, nothing is after me. Like, nothing's coming after me, so that means that I'm safe. Which, but honest, when you know the hidden meaning, they're like, wait, huh? Yeah, because to be honest, the first watch we got is, if this really is in her head, that means that throughout the time we don't see on the movie, she's probably a paranoid person. Yeah. And he's just using this as a way to show her, hey, nothing's coming after you, you're safe, and I'm going to show you that you don't need, that with you being alone, you're going to see that, you're not so, in danger. So the movie's actually fucking with us because, yeah, he's not doing the double meaning thing. He's just saying, he's trying to tell her literally, hey, nothing's after you. You're safe. <laughs> but we know on the second watch, we're looking at like, oh, he's talking about the actual nothing. Right. But I think you're right. The note makes more sense if he's just like trying to ease her. If this is more of a paranoia type movie. He's trying to ease her worries and be like, hey, you're fine. Nothing's after you. And to be honest, also- we're, we're, we're taking on the second watch as nothing. <laughs> nothing is after you. Which also makes... But it wouldn't make sense to follow that up with, so that means you're safe. Yeah. Like, what? So, because, again, at the first watch, you get this note and you're just thinking, okay, so was so is she paranoid or is there something wrong with the husband? The husband may be killing himself to save her from something he wanted to do. Now, by the way, that note still makes sense if we go back to the theory of that everything's in her head. Then the note makes sense because the husband's just like, hey, nothing's after you, you're safe. Mm. Like, I know you've been paranoid, but you're fine. Don't worry. So if it's in her head and this is all made up in her head, then that suicide note for husband still makes sense. It, yeah. makes, it makes sense with the idea that there's something out there and it makes sense with the idea that it's in her head. It makes less sense with the idea something's out there because like I said, if nothing is after her, then how, how is she safe? So, yep. so Beth... Now, the audience, if you haven't seen the ending, this is all like, a, what the fuck are they... What, what are, <laughs> how are they talking about? So like, for Beth, she's about to get an extremely rude wake-up call. Yes. With absolute... Absolutely everything going off at once. My favorite scene. Oh my gosh, this scene is very disorienting. It is very, it is very, and I can't say intimidating, but it will make your heart pound, especially the very first time you're watching the scene, because 
everything's going off at once. You have no idea what you're looking at, where you're going. And this is for an audience member watching it. Who knows what someone in real life would be doing in this situation? Yeah, this scene would. Uh, this scene can be heavily appreciated. You probably you saw in theater, so you could appreciate that. But any kind of surround sound, my God. Oh yeah. If your surround sounds turned up and you're just like your brain ah, rattling, ho hum de. Good movie so far. Nothing going on, and boom! You're like, oh, ah. <laughs> yeah, you're just as uncomfortable as she is. I was laid back, sitting down. I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm like a lie. I reached for the vault. The remote was like, volume down. What is this? Yeah, I couldn't do that my first watch in the theater. <laughs> and you know what's worse? I always choose the seats closer to the wall in case me or Casey need to get up to use the restroom. You were like, oh, I'm out of here. I got to use the bathroom. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, this is like you. They got to come up with a new word for this because, like, this is not a jump scare, but you're right. It's disorienting. I don't know what to call it. It's not a jump scare, but it's like because it's not a quick thing. It lasts for like it's a, a, it's a disorienting scare. It just made me uncomfortable. <laughs> That's the point of it. I just felt what the hell. And also, and also, uh, for anyone who likes the color red and moons, you get a red moon in this scene. Oh, beautiful. Okay, cool. Um, well, the red moons do make me think of the movie uh, Insidious, though. So, so I did. The only thing with the red, the red coloring is that it makes me think of Insidious too much. Man, a lot of people say that movie's scary. I watched it. I'm just like, man, it's fine. I didn't find it. I didn't jump. I didn't get scared by the movie. It, it was fine to watch. Insidious was like had the same kind of idea this movie, but it wasn't executed as well. Right. But it had the same kind of idea towards it as far as like a demon and stuff and all that so yep so now she so after that night's over again she wakes up not where she actually no she does wake up where she fell asleep but she ended up going on this whole adventure type deal and then runs through her living room door waking herself up and seeing that the door is wide open now is this where she, they, she saw she found the the girls in the back running yes. and jumping and again on the first view and within the context of the first viewing you're just like what the hell is this, this yeah because at sense. this point you still haven't you're getting the mystery but no answers are being given and yet. she looks up and she sees herself or somebody in her room basically with her husband right yeah you're getting the answers but we don't know what the questions are <laughs> so this is like well this, I, I know what the question is. What the fuck is going on? What the yeah, that's that's, that's <laughs> that, that is literally a question you will be asking yourself. Yep. So now she turns on her husband's phone because another thing we forgot to mention is she actually got a call from her husband. Yes. Now the voice on the phone it was like a scratching noise, and they were hinting at it being Billy for Black Christmas. Yes. And I thought that Billy voice was about to come on, and I was about to be like, oh, this all makes sense now. Billy's behind this. All right. <laughs> well, hey. So she turns her phone, her husband's phone on, realizing, hey, how in the world could he call me? Because his phone is right here. I said this point, so they're getting the theory at this point in the movie that it's her husband doing the haunting. Yeah. So she's going through the phones, and then she finds a couple of pictures, realizing this, this isn't me. Yes, there's a girl in the library who looks like her but she identifies that hey that's not my shirt that's i, I don't own that i don't own those clothes yeah so and then she her. goes further into the phone and finding a bunch of other girls that looks like her but is not quite except for one girl that i'm pretty sure is a heavier set girl like how does that look like you well again in the moment of the first viewing i'm thinking the husband has a fetish for cheating on her but cheating on her with Look-alikes, girls that look as close as possible to her as possible. That's all you can gather at this point in the movie. Is like, <laughs> oh, he's cheating with a bunch of girls who look like his wife. Which makes me wonder: is the wife just not giving him anything? Is that was him my and the wife not having sex at this. That's point? what I surmise. If he had to find girls that look like her and all a host of yeah, because then what then the it kind of throws in his mind that is it really cheating if I'm just, if I'm fucking this girl but thinking of my wife? Yes, it's <laughs> 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 <That's> really cheating. <laughs> so. Beth is walking through the woods because she's curious because she thought she saw a house across the waterway the previous night. 
I think I think that's fine as long as this is not Camp Crystal Lake because if it is, that's probably Jason Shack and he should stay well, away. Well, luckily for her, it's not Camp Crystal Lake, but it is owned by it is owned by the state, so uh, maybe it there is. should be no houses there. Maybe it is Camp Crystal Lake. Oh, I mean, maybe shit. maybe uh maybe nothing should find a different lake because Jason's pretty territorial. Right? Yeah, so. but but now we found the house and it is pretty much an exact replica. it looks like jason shack yeah. it is <laughs> it built, looks like something jason built it is built in the same version of her house but backwards ah because quite uh, quite, it, quite the architect her husband was yeah so uh throughout the movie we're seeing her going through this these voodoo books uh ways to trick and cheat uh demons and devils and one way is by making a pretty much a look like mirror version of where they're apparently living at. Yes. And apparently if you can do that, do it properly, it can actually trick the demon and devil to staying in that house instead of coming to your uh, true house. Okay. There you go. So, so the husband clearly had some shit going on and he put in effect, put a plan in effect to try to do something to somebody yeah to hide himself and his wife so yeah exactly hide himself and his wife from the true villain of this movie i would suggest he just call the ghostbusters but apparently that was beyond his thinking so yeah just that's, saying man just, that's you know, because who, this, who are you gonna call when this movie was made ben wolford uh, was too young still i just call bill call bill murray call the original ones bill murray's too damn old oh my god <laughs> they got machines to trap the ghost they don't need to build a damn house backwards that's all so now we get to mel's house where we find out yes the husband at this point mel is believes that the husband is cheating on his wife with other women though when he comes to him to ask mel not to talk to her about it he's covered in mud Yes. And he's telling Mel's like, I have these urges and I can't stop them. I'm yes. trying. I thought I broke it, but then something happened. This sounds like when I give up chicken chicken nuggets for a week and promise myself that I won't go back and get any. But these urges, man, they keep calling me, man. These That's urges. why you have to start eating Nilbog nuggets. You're saying those aren't addictive? No, they're keep not. Keep in mind, they're our sponsor now, man. We got to make them look good. Come on. Exactly. And they're healthier. So if they are addictive, the very least, you're going to lose weight. All right, let's let's get away from the green nuggets and talk about the movie because <laughs> that's for after the podcast when it's dinner time. So now this is where I actually start really because most of the movie being a mystery, it's enticing you. But this is where I actually start really loving how the director does some of these, the cinematography and all this because right. now we get this human shape emptiness. Per, mirrored perfectly through a shape in her uh, dresser and podium-like thing that makes it look like a face. Then all of a sudden, it just turns to look at her. That was crazy. That was pretty insane. I was sitting there like, oh, whoever the director of this movie is needs to continue. Because that was and that was probably one of the most who, amazing things we I've should, seen in movies. We should figure out who is the director. Yeah, I, I feel like we're, I want to give him most of the credit for the movie. But I don't know who he is. So. Him and Rebecca Hall definitely need all the credit for this movie. Uh, the Nighthouse director. So director is David Bruckner. It doesn't ring a bell, but I'm gonna make a note of that name for the future. Uh, let's because uh, I'll be watching well. this. I'll be watching this next movie. So let's see, David Bruckner. Oh, he was also the writer of this movie. I mean, listen, you're an amazing director. If you were if you were an amazing writer, also, then that would be amazing. But I, I'm not so sure. Okay, so he also did the ritual. Ooh, that makes sense. Uh, he did the original VHS. He actually did the Siren movie, which is a spinoff from VHS. Uh, people love VHS. Yeah. Oh, he he did VHS '94. Didn't see that one. Hellraiser 2022. Oh, interesting. Are they? Oh, they are remaking it because they were talking about getting a female. They got a uh, casted a woman to play Pinhead. I've heard about that. I don't know if it's a remake or a sequel. I think it's a reboot. It's like a whole different thing, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you go by the lore of what Clive Barker did for Hellraiser, uh, Kristen Cotton actually eventually becomes Pinhead herself. This director with 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 Pinhead, that's a that's gonna be interesting. Got some some interesting uh, possibilities there. Oh yeah. So, so good. Uh, props to Mr. Bruckner, as you said. At this point, I'm noticing, too, that the movie's standing out more for its visuals, the sound, the execution. 
writing aside, you can tell the director is fully vested and is doing a great job for what he's trying to accomplish. So now we get the books and melody scene. She goes to the place where her husband's been getting these voodoo and witchcraft books. Now, really, though, she's going to find if they have the latest Harry Potter book. because Most likely. She wants to get her mind off her husband's death, and she felt like investing in the Harry Potter series is the way to do it. Mm-hmm. She thinks if not, she'll find Narnia or Lord of the Rings. Or Everworld. But while she's there, she remembers, hey, what about my whole husband ghost thing? Let me do something with that, too. But really, the, the Harry Potter, the quest for Harry Potter books is the real motivation. Yep, but then she sees someone that looks exactly like her. I honestly, I won't lie, I honestly thought this was her fucking daughter in real life. But this is this girl literally looks like what Rebecca Hall, as a younger woman, looks like. Yeah, so if the husband was cheating... It'd most likely be with this chick. <laughs> if he's just cheating, which... She's investigating her husband's fidelity here. Was that the word? Infidelity. Infidelity. This has nothing to do with the ghost thing now. She's just like, my husband's been cheating. I'm going to question this woman and find out... I'm going to question what she do with my husband and if she could point me in the direction of the Harry Potter series. Yep. So this is so technically this is the same with me, Madeline. Uh, Beth makes her very uncomfortable and then we get to Claire's house where Claire is or not Claire. Beth is complaining to Claire about how how much prettier and younger Madeline is and how how come her husband could do this to her and Claire's just like you need to shut the fuck up. He is dead. Respect your damn husband. He loved you more than anything. <laughs> like, I like Claire, but I wish there was more to Claire because it seems like she's only here to sometimes give us somebody for Beth to talk to. You, she has to communicate certain ideas sometimes, so they had to have some other character for her to be close with. But I kept thinking that Claire somehow had been cheating with the husband. Didn't you think that was going to... I felt like that was a possibility because so Claire, I, Claire kept being like, you know... Let it go. Stop investigating. Stop digging deeper. And I kept thinking, I think Claire's like Claire's afraid, probably on she, that afraid she's going to find a photo of her with the husband. So I'm glad they didn't go there, but that kind of was like built up in a way. Yeah, because be honest, uh, if you've um, wa- read a lot of reviews, because a few that uh, Amelia was finding was that a lot of people are saying Claire is, act- is uh, Beth's guardian angel throughout this movie pretty much her voice of reason and at the end claire is the one that ends up uh, being a catalyst of how she of giving beth the power the strength to do what she does at the end so can we call claire something yes because i think that makes perfect sense if she's something so madeline shows up at the house because she found out where the harry potter books were and she's bringing a copy to yeah but the real question is um of course a very sensible question, which was, I'm actually very happy that this was asked. How the fuck did you know where she lived? <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Because most movies, they wouldn't even, they, they would just skirt over the fact that it's like, how did this girl know? Well, this is in context because she's like, I didn't sleep with your husband. Like, well, you know where my damn house is. <laughs> right. That means you were here. What were y'all doing? Y'all well, were watching I'll, TV or y'all were doing Madeline, something else? And Madeline mentioned, I was about to, and then your husband started choking me. I said, stop, and he took me home. This is a very uncomfortable scene. The, the, a lot of scenes in this movie is Madeline telling the story and her wife being there and her hinting at almost rape, but then going into a weird territory. Of, but then he was like, nah, I'm going to just take you home. The husband is a very weird character. Yeah. <laughs> Like, getting all this, like, secondhand information about him, like, you're like, man, this is a weird guy. So, now, Beth goes to that house, the the mirror house, that's what I'm going to call it. I know the movie's called Night House, so I probably should call it Night House, but I'm calling it Mirror House. Night House is a lazy title. Mirror House is a little bit more intriguing. Yeah, so, she goes to the Mirror House, and she falls through the floor where she finds, I want to say, close to five, eight bodies. I'm going to say eight. Well, pretty big kill count for whoever put the bodies there, which I think we can surmise is... Is the husband. The husband, man. So you're telling me he wasn't cheating on her. Well, maybe he was, but then after cheating on her, he was then... Well, hold on. Was he just killing them or was he like sleeping with them? He was killing them. He was only killing them. So he was meeting them with the idea of he was going to sleep with them, like getting them romantically involved, and then killing them. Yes. So this is where the climax happens. She calls... So she calls... 
Claire's pretty much telling Claire, you're right, I shouldn't have investigated any further. And then instead of leaving the house, takes a shower. You know, her behavior sometimes is a little bit off. She's a little bit too lax and casual about this whole ghost thing in the house. Yep, so this is where... It's very cleansy, though. So this part, uh, I, to be honest with you, I love the effects they do with this scene, but I am not a big fan of this scene because it makes no sense to the context. The bathroom air scene? Yeah, because, uh, yeah, I like the effects of seeing the different ripples of the fa- of the uh, invisible fingers going across her skin. Uh, her, when she presses on the back of the head, her fingers actually indent. I love the effects of there actually being a person there. If the, if the ghost, for example, was the husband, then I guess it would make sense that he would try to have sex with her in the bathroom. Yeah, probably. But then she... It calls him by Owen, and then we just get this very deep voice. The very first time you hear this thing talk. Who the fuck is Owen? <laughs> That's what he should have said. Close. <laughs> no, that would have definitely taken it out of the movie. He's like, welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> yeah, this wasn't Robert Englund. He goes, he just, she says, Owen, and he goes, no, I'm not Owen. I, I don't know whatever this thing is. This is the introduction of his voice. Right. I don't really like his voice that much. His voice, it, nah, his voice could be a little more intimidating. I, mean, I, this I don't thing know is, if they're going for like a scary voice per se, but... I don't think they were going for intimidating either, because... It sounds just like creeper 1-800 <laughs> late night phone call voice. Yeah, but so... What are you wearing? So this is the part I do not like, is the fact that this thing can touch her. Because after this, she tries to run, and he literally grabs her and slams her into a mirror... Which somehow teleports her into a mirrored version of her house again. And this whole scene, it's basically like kind of like she is getting attacked. Yeah. It feels like she's getting attacked. She's in danger. Yeah, because every time she watches her husband, because this is where you get the reveal, even though anyone who's picked up enough clues could surmise that husband killed all these chicks. Well, let's get in the reveal because then we can actually theorize a lot more. I've been trying to get a skittle that skedaddle around Sk- it. Yeah, but. same here. But anyway, so we're we're seeing in a few other rooms of the husband killing all these girls. We get we keep getting all the uh, different cool shots of the house being you know separated in the form of a face or a body shape. I said it before, but man, if this director, if they had let him do the Nightmare remake or any Elm Street <laughs> movie, that would have been a treat because this is the kind of stuff you'd want to see like in like Freddy's Dream World. Oh yeah, and we don't. Get and that. then. She gets to where the nothing has then possessed, uh, taken the form of her husband. So now we get a physical form to look at. And now we get by far the most explanation of anything that we're going to get in this movie. <laughs> right. This scene, so. And she even, she even says very proudly, my husband tricked you. And he goes, eh, for a while. <laughs> you know, I, I don't like that. Because this, this, this nothing, as we're going to call him, as he calls himself, I guess as the movie calls him. He was tricked by how many girls? So Is he a fucking idiot? I don't understand. So this is where I have the theory that when he says for a while, the ha- before he did the killing, he obviously had to build this mirror house. He did everything, as the book said, to trick them into making them think they're in this location instead of here. So when he bribed the girls, he took them to that location. But what I think happened is he tricked them with the very first one. And then when the nothing came back, I'm pretty sure he was hoping that it would work again, but it wasn't. So he ended up killing more girls than he needed to. I want to think that, but the movie leaves an open interpretation, and it could be that like five years went by and nothing was like fine. Like he was like, oh, home, dun, 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 dun. oh wait. Hey, you tricked me. Yeah, but to be honest, you, with you got me. It sounds like he got him good. Right? Yeah, but if you think of it in that context. Then the nothing is a very <laughs> incompetent asshole. Yeah. But if you think of it in the first one, then that means the other, since I said eight people, the other seven victims most likely took place in a very close proximity of time. Oh, yeah. I mean, he probably had to be feeding girls to nothing once a month to kind of keep off the back. But my and, thing is, if nothing is focused on getting the one girl, it's like after the first girl, wouldn't the second one be like, Hey, well, the, after that, then yeah, he's going, wouldn't not, nothing even question the idea of like, Hey, why, 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 why are you, why are you still killing all these girls when I'm I, after this one? 
I do think that's bad writing there. It's just, it's left in a, it's, I know it's open to interpretation. And by not over-explaining, they leave it open to like being like, hey, we didn't say anything really. We didn't explain anything. So you can't say it's a plot hole, but that's, that just see, that's seems like That's why my theory goes with the other deaths uh, did not trick them. But again, at the moment, apparently nothing can't kill her, even though we just saw that the nothing can physically harm her. Which makes no damn sense to me. But I, but I think the movie still works. Then if you just say, "Hey, I killed one girl," and it worked for a time, it worked for a time. But then, you know, it didn't work, and I had to kill myself. Like, really, the movie makes it like all those girls died for no reason at all. Like, yeah. My God, eight but girls for no. That's reason. That's where Jesus. the other theory, me and you were having, is that Madeline is not a living person. Me personally, with that, with my theory in play, I think Madeline was the very first victim. Because in the library, she actually asked, she called for help to the librarian who was at the front desk. Not even 10 feet away. And the guy never shows up. And yeah. think about any guy who has an employee call for help with a panicked voice. like you. Especially a female employee. Yes. And now, a guy that looks like the way this guy did. Now, again, it works <laughs> both ways. She's a ghost. Or, again, if everything's in, in her head, head, she's just imagining her. The whole thing. And... and and Madeline did act weird when she's walking to her car and driving away. She did kind of seem off. Like, she was probably driving back to the fucking graveyard. Right. Like, and to be honest with you, when when uh, I was thinking there was going to be something in, like, the back of the car when she when Madeline did that little wave. No, there was nothing back there. It was <laughs> it was just very, like, ominous, though. She got in her car. The camera's, like, lingering. Like, camera's watching her As if way. something should be coming up. Like, you, you're kind of looking like... Why are we following her to her car? You realize, okay, Beth's just watching her, but she does seem off. She seems like the whole, the whole time she seems off. Um, so anyways, nothing, of course, in that scene with the husband explaining basically that, hey, you know, when she had died or almost died, Beth had almost died, that, you know, nothing had gotten a taste of her and almost of her. So what I think it is is nothing uh, is possessive Not, because when she died, she was now part of the nothing. And when she was brought back to life, the nothing's like, oh, hell no, you don't take my stuff away from me. It's that or damn near he's in love with her. No, so again, I he, don't. He wants to reunite with her in the nothing world, but it seems like he's obsessed with her. Not necessarily like a, hey, come back here. You, it, it's not a. You belong to me kind of deal. But it just. It, 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 felt, it felt like a. Like, I'm attached to you, and I must have you. I must have you. It was almost like the, the damn, like, uh, what's this, like, in Buffy the Empire, it's like, it's like Lothos. the Lothos having to have Buffy. It felt like that. Yeah, but it's still, for this type of character, it wouldn't make sense. Why would something like this feel love? I know, but, but nothing makes sense, because think about it. That means that every time somebody almost died and came back to life, that nothing would always uh, form this attachment to that person. But this feels like a big attachment. He's like spending the rest of his nothing days trying to get her, basically. So. And to be honest, that's still possible. He does with everyone that tries to get away. Because with this being... Maybe, but he's investing a lot of time in her. So. Well, again, with this kind of character, it doesn't say that there's only one physical, one thing. It can still, if it's I a know. real thing, can spread out between all the other ones that nothing got away from it. Nothing itself could be a species of nothings. <clears throat> yes. And they're all, they're all at different lakes and all that. But this movie underexplains a lot, and I don't think we'll ever get a concrete answer on that. But the point you made earlier, though, we didn't actually finish this point about why you didn't like the mirror scene because he touches her. And your point was you didn't like that because what does that mean? I mean, because that means because throughout the movie he's trying to pretty much get her, especially this ending scene. This ending scene is definitely showing why I didn't care for it. The ending scene he's trying to get her to kill herself, which makes which I'm fine with because that shows okay nothing can't kill her. But in an earlier scene, the nothing can still harm her. Yes. How can it harm her? But not be able to kill her. That part makes no sense to me. Well, a, a very hard headshot to the mirror may actually kill her. Exactly. That was, there was danger of like brain damage and she just dies there. So. Exactly. So again, if if the nothing is able to touch her, then the nothing's able to kill her. Why does he need her to kill herself? That's why I don't like the mirror scene. If it left the mirror scene alone to the point where he could not touch her, then or but she could touch him, but he couldn't touch her, 
that part would make more sense to me with why he's trying to get her to kill him, kill herself. I, I thought maybe, again, they could have added this in the story, but maybe there was something where she only will be reunited with him or the nothing world, whatever like that. It's all contingent on her killing herself. Mm. Like she has, nothing has to get her to actually kill herself. If she dies by some other means, then that doesn't work for nothing. He needs her. He need, it seems like he needs her to kill herself. Cause you're right. You bash your head in the mirror, just finish the job and kill her, and then you're reunited. But he's really committed to like, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna convince you to kill yourself. Which again, which I, much, I don't know why, but pretty much tells me that he can't physically kill her. And I'm just that mirror scene makes no sense to that. And you shouldn't sample. actually have him touch her then. Exactly. Because what was that about then? Why is he slamming her head against the mirror and shit? So. Exactly. At that point, you'd think that nothing's plan would be to continue playing the facade of her husband until he was finally able to convince her to kill herself. Cause and I'm telling you this, this whole end scene to me is it shows again, nothing, whatever his plan is, he seems like a fucking idiot. <laughs> like this, this whole boat scene, I sh- I'm going to, I'm going to pretend to be your husband and sit here in the boat with you. And I'm going to talk you into shooting yourself in the head didn't work man i mean nothing what are you doing man i mean you couldn't do one thing right nothing <laughs> your whole life mission is to kill her and you couldn't so, do it claire so after the whole night happens claire arrives at the house realizes the gun is gone and the boat is gone yes so she runs out to the dock and she sees claire in the boat now or beth in the boat so I did not expect Claire to do what she does. Claire literally jumps in the water, yes. swims to the boat, and now obviously Beth still had to have the strength herself to not pull that trigger. But I get the feeling if it wasn't for Claire's voice breaking through the veil, if you want to call it that, that Beth probably would have actually done it. I don't know. I on, I, I pay attention to that on the second and third viewing and like she, they could have done a better job of like, okay, like having her really have the gun to where she's about to shoot herself. Mm-hmm. And then she hears Claire's voice. But the way they filmed it in this particular scene, they do have her kind of like... Start lowering the gun before... then hear Claire's voice. And almost like they they filmed the way it was like, it was like five seconds too early for her to start lowering it. It sounds like the way they showed it was almost like she made her decision not to do it. And then it was like reinforced by... Claire. Claire's voice, like bring her more back to reality. But... They made a point to be like, okay, she's thought about it, and she's deciding not to do it herself. But there's still, and, the, and maybe maybe that works better character-wise than just I'm gonna do it. Oh, but I hear my friend's voice. Yeah, because that shows Beth has the strength to withstand the nothing. The only problem is maybe she couldn't, maybe she couldn't get out of that dream state or the nothing world without Claire's interference. Yeah, once Claire's like running towards him, all that nothing's in the boat. Like, oh shit. No, he's all, just sitting there smiling all, the whole damn time. He's like, all my, all my, this perfect red moon setting that I set here and yeah, all this stuff. Yeah, because to be honest, nothing doesn't, that's another cool shot, though, in the clouds with the two moons looking like eyes and the clouds, the way the clouds face, form the shape of a face. That was a pretty cool shot. So, <laughs> so not only Claire, but Claire and the neighbor are back. Yep. And they're, they've brought uh, Beth back to the land and dock area mel looks at the boat and you still actually can see the silhouette of the nothing in that boat i did see that on today's viewing yes and i did not catch that on my first viewing although i do think mel didn't see anything I, because he says specifically nothing's there and he doesn't know to you be using the double meaning he doesn't right. know to be saying that he's just saying nothing but then claire no beth is like what she's like that's right mm. nothing is there and, she, and she's talking about the actual nothing. Right. She's talking about but when Mel looks up. And to be honest, he does an eye squint almost as if he thinks he sees something. That's because he sees her staring so hard. He's like, am I missing something? He's trying <laughs> to find something. But then he's like, no, nah, she's fucking crazy. But I did see, yeah, they did have the... The silhouette. The silhouette, like, shadow all the way across the water, basically, reaching out. Mm. Which, from that perspective... The seeing nothing there is kind of like, all right, well, if we're not getting a sequel and that's the ending, it's kind of like, I mean, is she just screwed for the rest of her life? Like, <laughs> like what's to stop nothing from coming back the next night? <laughs> I just hope that Beth at least moves out of that house and goes, st- I think the problem will be solved if she just goes and stays somewhere else. Maybe lives with then Claire. Some of this nothing connection is 
it followed her from wherever, but I think it was lodged into this house too. So yeah, and when Claire's around, she seems to be better off. It seems. Yeah. So categories. All right. Best performance. I. Wow, man, this is a toughie in this one. <laughs> all right. Of all the times I've been conflicted. Um. Wow. It, the question is: Is it going to be Claire or is it going to be Mel? That's that's the only question. Yeah, I know, man. right? Oh my god. I'm leaning towards Mel. Yeah. Um, I'm going. Oh. Yeah. So, the only reason I'm not giving it to Beth is because that's going to be a very easy thing to give it to. No, it's almost like the Freddy movies where we say we can't say Robert England. Yeah, this one, this one we can't say Beth. So, honestly, I'm going to give it to Claire. Just because Claire, honestly, was a good friend. Because name any other friend in that situation that would jump in that water to go help a friend out. I'll say Claire too. I thought Claire was going to be used for more like some kind of dr- some kind of drama. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be revealed that she was messing with her husband or that she was somehow part of the villainous plan. But she just she starts the movie as her friend. She ends the movie as her friend. There's no drama. She's just a good friend. And yeah, she's even one How of often the- do you find a good friend like that? Damn. <laughs> right. Oh, I just wish we honestly got a little bit more with her. Yeah. And, and also, the other thing too is like same thing with Mel. I thought that there would be more drama. He'd come into play as being part of the villainous plan or something shady, but just a good neighbor. <laughs> just like, wow, all right. Well, damn. Yeah, this, this is literally just one of those situations where... Nothing was like, nothing's really suspect. It's just literally... <laughs> nothing. Nothing. So... The worst performance. Um, Nothing. <laughs> the voice, whatever nothing is, is... No, I'm going to give it to <laughs> male teacher number one. Go fuck yourself. That's fair. <laughs> Male teacher number one. Male teacher number one. The one that uh, was with them at the bar. Ah, okay. I I can in good conscience give a worse performance to <laughs> somebody who's like in like two minutes of the movie. That's why, I, that's why I'm not counting him. I, I, I mean, if I'm doing that, I'm going to say the damn mom in the teacher scene. Where she's like, ah. Uh, yeah, well, you know, personal things happen, huh? And then just yeah, me, the only reason face. I don't give it, I'm not giving it to the nothing, is because, you know, for the most part, nothing was played by, well, fuck it, nothing. <laughs> then the amount of times the word nothing is used in this podcast, it's gonna break all kind of podcast records. I'm gonna say it right now. Like but, if you, if you haven't seen this movie, then you're just like, why do they keep saying nothing? Like, what the hell are they talking about? Like, no are sense. they literally purposely? Uh, censoring the villain's name just so we can't figure it out? Those jackasses. Now I gotta watch the movie. Yeah, well... Then they I, watch the movie and go, oh. Oh. This is one episode <laughs> where you have to watch the movie first before <laughs> listening to us. Otherwise, you're gonna be even more confused than we were on the first viewings. So. Yeah, you're, go- you're gonna be, well, in the boat with the nothing. Yeah. So, uh, best scene... I think you already name dropped this one. Yeah, the the jump scare slash disoriented scare slash yeah the disorientation scene made my ears uh, <laughs> just bleed my ears yeah just bled, bled out of my ears so. So I have to give it to that one too, just because it's a nice, decently long scene that sets up a lot of questions that need answers for the movie to somewhat make uh be able to tell its story because first you got that part yes then you got her going outside seeing this house across the lake that she never knew apparently was there all these girls just jumping off that cliff it literally sets this is where the movie pretty much sets up for the story to actually start taking an uphill true all right well uh worst scene you're gonna say the boat scene aren't you no probably the mirror scene for me not uh, because of special effects but that's like a well special effects was an, good it's an uncomfortable scene though no the special effects for it is good i just say the mirror scene because it makes no damn sense to the character of the nothing yeah let me think oh easy scene the scene with the, the teacher in the classroom <laughs> no i guess the teacher yeah the reason i don't give that give it to that one is because it because def- uh for the most part we uh, the whole opening gives us the clues of what happened, but her just throwing it out there to make an already uncomfortable situation go away, you know, with this Karen, it, it feels almost realistic. Which is why I don't give it to this scene, to that scene. I give it to the mirror scene. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with the mirror scene. I just I 
I just, if I watched it again, I would fast forward the mirror scene. <laughs> I had to say it, but I wouldn't want to sit through that uncomfortableness again. And then you got, what would you like to uh, explore more? And as I said, I'd rather see the friend more. I'd like to see more on the husband. There's a, the husband's story and his whole murder plot, that itself would have been a good movie to see the husband going through killing eight girls, him figuring out he has to do this to satisfy nothing. The only problem is, is to be honest, without this movie, the whole thing would have been just a generic slasher almost with a twist in that would make no sense. True. Now that we get this part of the story, if they went ahead and made that movie, it would be, they obviously make it more action-packed. And well, I don't, I don't anticipate a sequel, but you could have, let's call them nothing, follow a new girl, a new person, that and also you, see this, them. you see this story play out again, basically. Yeah, to be honest, this this movie doesn't need a sequel. No, I don't think it'll be a sequel. This no, is, it, this doesn't this doesn't feel like a franchise. No, at all. I do agree with you that if they did anything, they should do a prequel about the husband doing the murders, how the nothing found the hu- found them, got a hold of the husband, pretty much got started messing with his mind to get him to actually do the killings. The problem with this, the prequel of the husband is, I don't think Rebecca Hall would want to come back for it because probably not. If it's the husband, she still has to be there. Yeah, right. And she she wouldn't want to come back and do that story from the husband's perspective. That's prob- probably not. Cause Cause it, and, and, and also, for us, there's really no new information, I guess. Yeah, because we already know at this point, it's just money in their pockets, and we get to see the husband the movie, actually the give movie us would, character. The movie would end with him killing himself, and then... Then just... it goes on to the neck, into the this one. Yeah, I mean, if they did that, the only way that works is basically if you'd have to watch that one first and then watch this. Yeah. That would have, this would have to be the official sequel to that. And then it would make sense. But. So overall, so overall thoughts for me, character, and no, I'm not using plural. Um, character is definitely great with this. Rebecca Hall does an amazing job because to be honest, without Rebecca Hall or David Bruckner as a director doing these amazing uh, silhouette shots of this with this house, it actually makes the movie definitely worth watching. It is amazing. And if you watch the movie, and obviously – the first viewing, you're going to miss stuff. Second viewing, you're going to see more. I haven't watched it a third time. I don't know if you picked up anything else the third watch. But overall, for, uh, the music or lack thereof is actually make uh, makes the scare scenes a little bit more, well, scary. Because now you don't have really any music to go off of, of is some, when something's going to happen at this point or this point. So overall, I'm actually going to give this movie a three. Yeah, I'm giving this movie a three. It is a not a fun movie, but it is definitely a good movie to watch. You know, for first three times, rewatchability really isn't there. But with the with uh, Rebecca Hall and David Bruckner, definitely makes this movie worth the three times you're going to watch it. Three stars for three times watching it. Yes. Um, <laughs> I pretty much agree with everything you said. Um, major props to Rebecca Hall and the director. I think that the script is kind of weak, but I think they elevate it to basically a three-star movie with uh, her performance, his directing. Um, the story is really original. I'll give it that. It's it's out there. I mean, dude was doing some drugs when he wrote this movie or something because nobody would just think of this story um, on the surface. So, so. Um, I hate to throw in your final thoughts, but... Uh... I'm about to end your world. This ain't an original villain. What? This ain't an original story. No? In Supernatural. Oh, my God. You know what? Let me get my final thoughts, all right? You're not allowed to interject. You know what I was going to say, actually? I was going to say that if you took away Rebecca Hall and you took away this director, what this movie would be, it's just an episode of Supernatural. And that's and that's the most damning um, diss I can give it to it, So by the way. Um but that said, okay, yeah. Story-wise, the dude was smoking something when he wrote the script or when he watched the episode of Supernatural. He was a smoking, few episodes. smoking something. He's like, hmm, there's a movie here. So I don't know what happened there. But whatever it is, this, this movie has some great scenes. Um, it's slow burn, so you got to be in the mood for a slow burn. You have to expect that this is not going to have some kind of body count or like slasher death scenes. This is definitely slow burn psychological. So if, that, if that's your thing, this is going to be high up there for you. Uh, I'll give it three stars. I actually probably would give it higher than three stars if it was if it had a better script 
and if there's more rewatchability. This movie's all about the mystery and the clues. So for the first three viewings, you'll get something out of it because you'll pick up on different things. But having watched it three times, I would only watch it again if I was watching it with somebody who hadn't seen it, because then I can watch their reaction and see if they're picking up on the clues. But for me, yeah, there's no fun factor, so it's not like I'm going to go back and be like, oh, let me look up that death scene on YouTube, or let me look up, you know, whatever. Um, so the, watch, the, the, re, the lack of rewatchability keeps it higher, from being higher than three stars. But I'll stick with three stars because on the first two or three viewings, you can get a lot out of it. But, yeah, as for what I was saying, um, in, episode, in season 12, after, uh, no, season 13, after Castiel dies, uh, you see him come to in a completely black space when a version of himself shows up really pissed off hmm. Castiel's like well what are you I'm what came before God and you woke me the fuck up Damn. get out of here you're done in the nothing bye wow <laughs> oh and the and then they sent death into the nothing where the nothing was so pissed off it exploded her so one day <laughs> one day one day, long, long ahead in the future, I will watch an episode of Supernatural. But what Nick has told me on this podcast about the show has made me push that day further into the future. There's no plans during this decade. And this decade just started, 2021. So we got to get to like 2030 and maybe I'll reconsider, but I've made up my mind for the next 10 years. And, and I feel like we're all, we're, all, we're all stupider for having heard Nick's <laughs> rant about Supernatural there. So, so, uh, so you, you will watch Supernatural. Because uh, if you decide to do fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer series, you, sir, is doing Supernatural. Well, yeah. Okay. So listen, folks, one thing I will mention is that when we get to our YouTube channel and put a lot more focus on that, we are going to start talking about TV shows, TV series. There's a lot there we can talk about. There's the Chucky show, the new I Know What You Did Last Summer TV show. There's a lot of stuff in the TV world we can get into. There's uh, some of the Korean stuff like Squid Game, Sweet Home. And, and YouTube is a better format for that kind of thing because you can do a, an episode each week and stuff. The podcast format's better for movies, I think. But we're going to definitely dive into the, to the TV shows in the future. And way, way below on the list is going to be Supernatural because... Because that's 15 seasons. I mean, you guys you guys want us to talk about something that has like maybe one or two seasons, not 15. So. No, we, we can do one season, and then we'll do a bunch of other stuff. Then we'll do season two, a bunch of other stuff. You know, we, we spread them. And just have your lawyers call my people, and we'll see if they can put that as a perk in the contract. You know, like, I know exactly that, what's so. going to happen. The No Bog Nuggets uh, in the next episode is going to tell us if we want to keep getting sponsored by them. They're going to want more I do want to keep our sponsors happy. So if it's the name, if they request it, then I'll do it, all right? But that means you guys out there got to make them happy by buying those no-bog nuggets. No-bog nuggets. If they're not in local stores, ask for them. And speaking of that, it's time that I go get some nuggets because mm. all this podcast makes a guy hungry. Probably Seriously. Nick's feeling the same way probably too. Uh, no, I had Chinese. I had Chinese nuggets. Oh, well, all right. Well, I'm going to go get my, my regular... Um, McDonald's nuggets. I think I prefer Wendy's nuggets, though. I gotta say. <clears throat> yeah, I prefer McDonald's. Anyway, you all... Everyone, shame on you. Yeah. Shame, shame, shame. So everyone knows where this is going. Y'all don't have to go home, but go play a game. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel. And then play a video game while listening to our podcast, because you don't need the video on. You just need audio, so play a game you don't need to pay attention to while listening to us, so we get automatically get those views. Y'all help us out. And then... We can do more episodes for you guys and take requests because, hey, if you started giving us feedback, then we can start taking viewers' requests, do what you guys want to do. I know we've done that in the past when you guys requested Troll 2 for a year and we gave you Troll 2 and we want to do that again. And that way, situations won't come up where we're doing like Repo, the Rope Opera or whatever it's called. So There is a Troll 1. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with Troll 2, though. <laughs> I guarantee you Troll 3 would have nothing to do with Troll 2. <laughs> It'd probably be a whole anthology series just called Troll. Oh, they changed the name to Leprechaun. So, <laughs> best as I can tell, because there's a lot of green shit in Le Leprechaun too. So. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, you all have a good night and take care. Godspeed. I, Play with your Buzz Lightyear toy, folks. I don't know if this is. I don't know if this is gonna happen, but maybe next week we'll do a movie that has chicken nuggets in it. We'll see. I'm thinking about it right now, so I'm gonna find a movie that has something to do with chicken nuggets. That might be next week's episode. So.